Life-changing conversations. Hey, it's Julie Pilot with another episode of the Idea Fountain. Uh, one of my favorite parts about doing this, actually, my favorite part is having friends over to the house every single month for a really great conversation. But we haven't been able to do it for a couple months. Um, I had two interviews that needed to be done off-site, and one in Seattle. I did one of my favorite interviews ever with some of the most important, influential music people in Seattle that influenced me growing up, but it'll probably never be able to come out. More on that coming up, but I've sort of been a month behind with the Idea Fountain. In fact, we're going to call this episode, What Do We Do Now? Because every single month on the Idea Fountain, I interview somebody that has changed my life. I'm really excited to have David Kim here tonight. We just met in April, and I can't say definitely that there's been one moment with David that has changed my life, but more than anybody this year, we've continued to connect and talk about life. Um, In the episode, What Do We Do Now?, uh, I'm sure everybody has faced, in 2018, uh, some complex relationships, Life can be really hard, and the fuel of social media doesn't always help. So my goal tonight is I'm going to talk about a few conversations David and I have had, and we're going to get into it, and then we're going to go open up the conversation, and I hope everybody will jump in, because I think we need to have more of the conversations about these things. And before David does his official introduction, I want to bring... Everybody into the room, even if you're sitting far away, uh, I'm going to have everybody say their name, and um, the further you are, the louder you have to shout it. Uh, Let's start with you, H. Hilton Wright II, sometimes known as Deuce. Laura Welch. Danielle Sacco. De Niro Forte. Kelly Benini. Sandra Reese. Javier Reese. Profit. John Bulet. Carly Enriquez. Tim Durfee. It's your boy. Eddie Francis. Papi Malasquez. Jeffrey Adams. Lori Risher. Oh, Forrest. Uh, I just, I I love looking around and seeing so many different people from different pockets of my life and different times. It's really great to have everybody here. Um, Especially you, David. Um, You have such an interesting life and mm. profession and mm. it's so different than anybody else in my life i'm gonna let you introduce yourself oh that's kind of a setup isn't it <laughs> uh so my name is david kim and i'm a teacher and i'm a scholar i'm a father i'm a partner i'm a radical democrat i'm a christian and i'm a confucian and uh you know one of the primary drivers of my life is to make space for folks, to wrestle with big questions, to find a vocabulary, words, language, to make sense of things. And so, you know, many of the conversations you and I have had really have been around that. Like, how do you tackle things in life? Yeah, and um, this all started tonight because of Kanye West. Thank you, Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I'm not kidding though. It was interesting because um, I mentioned we met in April and I've got to say, by the way, a lot of times you meet people in life and they say, let's keep in touch. Here's my email. Here's my social media. Um, and you don't always necessarily stay connected. Mm -hmm. But one of the cool things David does is he schedules FaceTimes with you just like you're gonna go get coffee. And even though I have friends I FaceTime here and there, as a new relationship, getting to know somebody and following up, it was really, really powerful. And I'm not sure how it went from us having a conversation to catch up to Kanye West, but I shared with him mm -hmm. something I had experienced. Um, and it's so crazy we're having this conversation, right, on the day that bill cosby was sentenced and it's how do you separate the artist from the morality in situations and i told him that i do a lot of work with uh youth mentoring mm -hmm. and i have checked i'm not betraying anybody's um confidence here but uh there's a program called echo that's once a month where um kids go and they can check in about what's going on in their lives and um, uh, a lot of the kids we work with have a lot of huge lifestyle distractions, like really big things going on. And, um, you know, sometimes people don't have a place to live. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're dealing with a parent uh, that's struggling with addiction or, you know, gang members at school. Mm -hmm. And I show up to Echo one night and um, people were in tears saying, why is Kanye doing this? And I was like, wow, because all of my friends were talking about what was happening. And I guess this was like last May, right? Where, you know, he had started speaking out and, you know, wearing the Make America Great uh, hat again. I couldn't even like say that. I, I don't think I've ever said that phrase out loud. Um, <laughs> and again, um, thank you, Kanye. Right? Yeah. And um, you know, he'd been making the rounds on mm -hmm. TMZ and talking about you know slavery's in people's minds, and people were really at their limit. Um, and I personally. I've always been a fan of his music, but just kind of shrug it off like that's Kanye being Kanye. But it really had an impact on me to see people being so emotionally distressed. And I remember in that moment saying, I think there needs to be a counter conversation between I love his music and he's crazy. Because I also don't think it's great when people just accuse people of having mental illness. Mm -hmm. And David said the most interesting thing. He said, we don't need to have a counter conversation. We need to have a corrective conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you want to, will yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, so let's set the scene a little bit more, right? So Kanye was making statements, as you said, about slavery as being simply in people's minds. He was endorsing a president that has been actively uh, supporting racists and white supremacists and the 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 reactions to Kanye. I mean, he he took it as a surprise. Like, what's why? You know, you must love me. I'm Kanye West. But the 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 anguish those young folks that you were engaged with were feeling is a reflection of a, a kind of disappointment. You know, this kind of crushing disappointment. It's like, how could you have done this? And so, the correct conversation, in my mind, 
was, well, how do we have, a, how do we get to a point where we can really surface what's really at stake here? You know, so was it that he's saying outlandish things? Was it simply that he's a celebrity that's gone off the rails? It's actually deeper than that. Because, you know, those young folks that you're working with, it's as if somebody died. You know, he was saying these things that, you know, you could call them crazy, but it's more than that. Uh, it felt like betrayal. It felt like a diminishment of his people. And yet he persisted in that. And so what happens? Like, what, how do you view this person? How do you view this figure that, you know, people had reverence for, respect for, adoration? And yet he said these things. And how do we, so our conversation really was like, how do we sit in that space where we really dive into the pain and dive into the causes of the pain and begin to find pass through that pain? Because it is painful. The things that he was saying were genuinely painful. What were those young folks saying to you? I think it was a lot of disbelief. Um, I mean, we have one of them here tonight. I don't want to embarrass you, but do you want to talk about it at all, Fatima now? Or do you want to, or do you want to listen? Or it's to both. It's fine. <laughs> to both? Come sit over here for a minute. Pull that chair over. So... Uh, one of the strongest girls I know, Fatima, is here, who's been in youth mentoring for a really long time. And um, now she's grown up, and she's actually a peer mentor. But um, talk about how that made you feel. I didn't know if I should be, like, angry or sad. So I didn't think it would affect me the way it did. I thought it was just, like, oh, okay, it's just Kanye being Kanye, like you said. But I was just angry because I'm like, dude, like, we a lot of us we know how we feel about trump and then when you see kanye like standing right next to him or saying the things that he said it's like do i still support you or do i just like your music do i keep watching interviews about you or just cut you off so i didn't know if i should basically support him or not well and it was pretty deep in that room because when you say how a lot of us feel about trump um, a lot of the people in that community um, are undocumented, specifically, right? And, you know, when at the exact same time there's conversations about what's going on at the border, taking away babies and stuff like that, and somebody that's personally attacking your family, it makes it even deeper. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. You know, I, I want to focus on three things you said. You said, I wasn't sure if I was sad or angry and whether I should keep supporting him. So, you know, the, the underside of anger is often hurt. You know, so when we're talking about that pain and, you know, that you felt, it, what's amazing to me is that you could articulate both. You know, I felt sad and angry. But then there's confusion. You know, what's, what am I really supposed to feel? And that question about support, like, well, what is it to support somebody? Like Kanye, is it merely because you buy his music? He figured he was a different kind of person in your life. And you found inspiration, maybe some joy, maybe a little escape, maybe a little elevation of the spirit. And then the things that he was saying and the person that he was supporting, you know, particularly around immigration, particularly around the profiling, 
again, it's not just even a betrayal of one's race or one's people, but it's a betrayal of principle and values. And so again, like, what, do, what, am I, what am I supposed to take in from this person? You know, do I keep listening? And what am I hearing then anymore? Right? Can I hear, hear his music anymore without feeling this kind of bitterness, this, uh, you know, that anger and hurt? Is that what you were, what you were experiencing? Basically, yeah. Because in my head, the first thing that came up was like, like not that long ago, you said George Bush doesn't care about black people. What makes you think Trump like cares at all? Well, and you said something interesting too, David, that really blew me away in the moment was at the time, the guy on TMZ mm-hmm. had rattled off all the things Kanye had done and said, I'm done with you. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because you told me we can't throw away people. Yeah. You can't just be done with people. And David said to me, just throwing away people and saying, I'm done with you, that's what our prison system's doing. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, if, if you're going to assess Kanye for his behavior or Kanye for his, who he stands for, you know, that's an act of judgment, you know, which is to say that we're holding him up against a standard. But if we say like, okay, you know, you hurt me, you hurt my people, you hurt people I love, you know, to this point, do I now consider you disposable? Do I now throw you away like the system is throwing people away, like the system is chasing my loved ones? And if we don't want that, what other options do we have? And so the real conversation is like, how do we break out of these binaries? Well, and especially like if you go back to um, the record he put out shortly after, I think the first words he said on the album were, I thought about killing myself today. Mm. So, right. and then the second thing he said was, I thought about killing you today. And I was at that event in Wyoming. I thought, it's a 50-50 shot. This could go bad. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe 60-40, but yeah. Um, But you know, that first statement, that first statement of, of his anguish, right? I mean, if you had some compassion for him, which I'm going to grant is hard. If you had some compassion for him, you're thinking, okay, so he's receiving all of this flashback from the TMZ guy, but also, you know, millions of his fans. He himself is feeling a kind of pain. You know, like these people I thought were my, my, my community, people who, would, who, again, who adored me, are quote-unquote turning on me. And so that, that statement, I mean, you know, you, you should not take it lightly. I thought about killing myself today. Right, so if you, if you say he is a human being, and if he's a human being, again, do you really want to throw a human being away? Do you really want to turn your heart away when they say they're considering killing themselves? What kind of people are we if we say like, okay, well, you upset me, so I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna turn away from you in a moment of anguish. The really hard thing right here is not just to be the better person, but to be the kind of people that we want to be. Right, so we want to be the kind of people that says, okay, you are making a statement of not just pain, but of ending things. And the flip side of that, that second verse that you said about killing others is that's the expression of anger. Sadness and anger. Sadness and anger. I didn't make that up, anyhow, but you know, it's Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Buddhist teacher. You know, when he writes about anger, he says, the underside of anger is hurt. 
And one of the reasons that we wrestle so much with anger is that we don't recognize the hurt. We just see the anger. And so you see someone like Kanye flashing, flashing this anger. But now, you know, that, that song that you referenced, it's the other way around. He's flashing hurt. He's flashing hurt. And so, you know, again, it, 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 it's incumbent upon us as listeners, as just good everyday people, to think, like, what, do, what kind of folks do we want to be so that we're not damning, other people aren't damning us like we damn Kanye. Right? We, again, we don't want to be folks that people say, well, we're going to throw you away because you behave so badly. Well, and um, in the, I'm just going to be really honest with a lot of things I'm talking about and things where I truthfully don't know the Mm -hmm. answer and I don't know how I feel because new things are coming up all the time, but we were talking about celebrities and morality and the Mm -hmm. fact that today as we're taping this is the day Bill Cosby got um, uh, sentenced. And it's interesting because I'm back taking some college classes at night and one of the classes I'm taking is race and gender in the media. And there's an entire chapter practically on Bill Cosby, right? And not only what he did with the Cosby show, which was in my lifetime, but what he did, um, he was in the show I Spy too, Mm -hmm. which was the first show to show like interracial partners as cops. That's right. and he's had such a powerful impact on culture, but then to see something so negative, I know this is gonna sound like really elementary, but do we never watch the Cosby show again? The same way, do we never listen to R. Kelly again? Mm -hmm. How do you balance that morality? So let me go back to the first thing you said, which was a beautiful statement about humility. It's like, I don't know what I feel. And, you know, to approach these, let's call them conundrums, these problems, is not like I need the definitive answer, but I'm not sure how I feel. You know, so the, 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 the real conversation, the other conversation, is sorting out. So, you know, we lionize Cosby for the Cosby show. You know, the kind of moral lessons that he was teaching, the example of this beautiful black family. At a time you know, let's be clear, where that was beyond exceptional. And he was the first out for many, in, you know, in terms of cultural representation, he was the first one out. But let's also be clear, the guy is a sociopath. You know, the guy is a predator. And so you don't, you, and, and the complexity of it is that he was both of those things at the same time. Nobody's just one thing. No one's just one thing. Now, Let's concede that most of us aren't model citizens and sociopaths. <laughs> right? you know, like, let's 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 try to put a different frame around that. But you know, this idea that again, I'll go back to this this the experience of disappointment. You know, like you were this figure that I watched, I learned these things, I associate with my childhood. And what do I do with you now? What do I do with you now? And it's, you know, it's actually less significant than like whether you can watch the Cosby show anymore, but more of like, what is the standing of this person in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit? Because if you say, you know, you can say whatever you want about popular culture, the Cosby show had a profound impact on millions and millions of people. And now we're at this point where we have to revisit 
the nature of that impact. Now, do we take out the person that was playing the character? You can do that, but that's a pretty tricky psychological trick. You know, that say like, oh, I'm going to watch the Cosby show, you know, was it? oh, Cliff Huxtable, but I'm not watching Bill Cosby. Right? I'm watching I Spy, but I'm not watching Bill Cosby. If we're going to be morally complex and appreciate our complexity, we have to say that actually that guy was, is all of those things. Is all of those things. And that's how, that's how um, difficult it is to make that judgment. So like, you know, the question, like, do I watch him or not? Do I listen to R. Kelly or not? You know, to stay with human complexity is to say that those black and white decisions are actually never really that clear. And that, you know, maybe 82% of the time, we don't live in black and white, we live in gray. Excuse me, that gray space. And how do we navigate that gray space? You know, can I watch an old Cosby episode right now and not think about him as a predator? No, I can't do that. Would I commend the show to a young person uh, on its own? Maybe, but then you have to establish context. Like, who is he now? Who was he then? And, you know, what lessons are we really drawing from him? You because know, also what we're also talking about is the, the culture of celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, that we want celebrities to be more than. You know, they're, they're shinier than we ordinary folks. They're better looking. They're in better shape. Damn them. Mm-hmm. All right? And we, we look up to them. But my thing about celebrity culture is that it, it, um, it confuses us. I would much rather that we uh, defer less to celebrity culture and try to find a celebration culture. What do you mean? So let's celebrate Cosby for what he did in terms of representing uh, the African-American experience in a radically different way. Let's hold him to account for the things that he did. Right, but don't praise him simply because he's well-known. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. I know there's going to be a lot of questions, so I'm going to do two more topics than open it up for the group. So it <laughs> was interesting what? because um, I'm actually a month behind on the Idea Fountain because I did an episode based on growing up in Seattle. And I flew home, and it was unbelievable because I grew up in the 90s working at a hip-hop station in Seattle and the peak of the grunge movement. And um, the community of Seattle really changed my life and made me who I am. And um, I wanted to have a conversation about that. So I got together six of the most powerful people um, from that time in the music community. And we had this phenomenal conversation about not only um, what it meant. We weren't talking about like, where were you when Soundgarden blew up? We were talking about how bands and people got together and then how there actually ended up being a ripple effect into mm-hmm. politics. And the people I got in the room were so powerful that I couldn't even believe everybody got together for this conversation and I was so proud of it. And then I came home and two weeks later, uh, news broke that one of the people I interviewed Um, who was a band manager and um, owned a bunch of venues and things like that, was charged with 11 accounts of sexual assault and rape. And it was horrible. 
And my first thought, aside from that being horrible and thinking of all the women, was, well, this episode can never come out. Um, And then it was so crazy because people started calling me. And I had taken a really great picture when we did the interview at this record store of everybody. And people were calling me saying things like, you have to delete that from your social media. The news just broke. It's everywhere. People will come after you. And I stood my ground. And I said, no, you know what? I'm not going to delete it. Because I'm not going to just erase this person from my life and pretend it never happened. This happened two weeks ago. And if anybody wants to ask me about it, you know what? I'm going to say I'm extremely disappointed. I'm brokenhearted. And guess what? It's about my 10th music industry hero that has fallen. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to delete it and pretend like I never knew the person. And I called David and we were talking about it. And we were talking about the morality and the human aspect. And if I should edit him out out of the interview. (laughs) P.S. The most ironic thing. seven minute gap? Oh, nothing. (laughs) The most ironic thing is I went back and I listened to the interview and he kept interrupting everybody. Mm. Um, But we were talking about it. And just in talking, David said, well, this is somebody you have a personal relationship with. And I said, I've known him a long time. And he said, would you interview him? And I said, no because I don't want to give him the forum to explain Mm -hmm. himself. I believe the women and they're not necessarily getting Mm -hmm. that. And he said, would you consider him calling on, would you consider calling him on the phone and just having a conversation as another human? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'd consider that. I haven't done it yet, but I want to get your thoughts. We're living in a time where they have what uh, a lot of people call cancel culture, right? If somebody does something ranging from being charged with 11 accounts of sexual assault and rape, which is a big deal, you know, all his businesses were shut down. He was dropped by all his management. And I'm not saying that shouldn't have happened, Mm -hmm. but erase him from your social media. He never exists ranging to if somebody tweeted something seven years ago that was inappropriate when they were in junior high, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they said that we don't support them anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's all about they're canceled. Um, Your thoughts? Oh, I'm glad each question is very small. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, in every single episode of the Idea Fountain, every single one, somebody says, that's not an easy question, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, obviously the idea of canceling is uh, related to the idea of throwing someone away. Yeah. You know, we are hurt by folks all the time. And it's one thing if it's in your personal life, it's another, again, if it's in public. And, you know, this question of, like, do I cancel or do I erase somebody that was important to me? You you should ask yourself the question. You should ask yourself the question, why do you do that? What is it that person did to you? What is it that person did to you that you would go to the extreme, again, of making them nothing. Because think about that statement. 
What is it to make somebody nothing, let alone someone that you cared about nothing? Now, I'm not saying at all that this is to excuse him. If anything, it's just to get clarity for you if you had this relationship with him. Like, how do I make sense of this? And again, like, how do I make sense of this person that had such an outsized uh, role in my life that had done something so condemnable and damning? And one of the things that's important to do is to honor your confusion, right? To honor, like, it's actually confusing. You can come to a quick judgment, for sure. But then you say, like, wow, this person was really important to me at some point. I mean, I feel like that needs to be a t-shirt. Honor your confusion, right? <laughs> I love it. I just was sitting in that. Yeah, I mean, well, because, you know, cancel culture is related to this idea that we want to rush to judgment and be definitive. We want to make sure that we're right and everyone else is, and other folks are wrong. And again, like this space of gray, this complexity is to say, I don't really always know. And I might declare that I was wrong at one point. I might declare that uh, someone is damnable. You know, again, I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and a Confucian, so I have to believe in the possibility of redemption. And I'm not talking about eternal life. I'm just talking about, like, do we f- have the capacity to forgive? Do we have the capacity to bring folks back in? Again, like, what this... Uh, guy in Seattle did is not excusable by any stretch of the imagination. But how do I hold him to account in the same space that I also revered him? And that's a question I would ask you. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because that leads into the third topic. I didn't call him, but I took a stab at another one. Um, The third topic is kind of what happens next, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's come up a lot in media. Um, who was it? Was it who was the comedian? Uh, Louis C.K. Um, who had Me Too allegations, and then maybe a year later started performing a little less. And um, a lot of people are saying that was too soon. Uh, in my world, there are people that were presidents of record labels, some mm-hmm. of the greatest musicians of all time, <clears throat> right, that mm-hmm. got taken out of their positions because of how they treated women. And when you suggested that I call the person in Seattle, I you know, haven't done that. And I'm not just saying this, but we weren't super close. We didn't talk every weekend. It's just somebody that over a span of 20 years I'd known a long time. Right. There was somebody else that lost their job and um, I always say that they um, are a very powerful person and they could use that power for good or evil and I say that to their face Um, and they now have a new job Mm -hmm. and are resurfacing and popping back up the text the DMs like nothing ever Mm -hmm. happened listen to the song hey this is great and again just honoring the confusion. I felt so sick to my stomach because nothing personally happened to me, 
But at the same time, like, I just gave a testimony of what it was like for the last 20 years being a woman in the music industry. So I can't pretend like nothing ever happened to this guy either. And um, I was like, I had David. I was like a little angel on my shoulder. And I was like, I'm going in. And so I was really honest. I reached out to him. I had to email him because he's a bit of an interrupter too. And I just said, I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you, but I'd really like to talk. I know you've had a really hard year and there's been a lot that's happened. And um, I just don't want to pretend that nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And I said that I had just given this testimony at the Grammys and I'd like to talk to him about what my experiences are too. So let me know when you're in LA and we can get together. And you know what happened? I get an email back completely throwing the woman under the uh, bus and all the reasons why they were crazy. And I was like, that's not what I wanted to hear. Well, it's also probably, you know, look, what you wanted him to do was say, Let, thank you for reaching out to me. Yeah. And let's have that conversation. Yeah. Instead, he was treating it like a PR thing. Right. Again, like celebrity culture a certain form of public culture where it's not about real humanity. It's about like, do I look good? Right? Do I, am I appealing? You wanted to have a conversation with him saying, look, I'm still holding you accountable for what you did. And what I'm also hearing from you is like, I want you to be better than you have been. You know, so make good on the terrible things and make good for those, those, those women that you hurt. Not to pretend like nothing happened, but to redeem yourself to them first. Not to redeem themselves to the in- yourself to the industry, right? Redeem yourself to, I mean, Louis C.K., when he comes back, was in Comedy Cellar, right? Yeah. And he shows up as if nothing happened. That's it, that as if nothing happened. As if nothing happened, but also, <clears throat> also the arrogance that people will just take me back because they love me. I'm a celebrity. Right. They'll just take me back. And what men don't understand in the Me Too era is that that's not even close to cutting it. That's not even close. I mean, think about what's at stake right now. A Supreme Court seat. A Supreme Court seat. And you have people in the Senate saying, well, this guy's being, he's being bullied. He's being... Uh, you know, this is a political stunt with no respect or attention for what happened to that young woman. No respect or attention what happened. And not for nothing, we are confirming him as a judge. We talked about judgment earlier. Thank you. We talked about judgment earlier. Not even just an ordinary judge but a judge on the highest court that sets precedents and standards for the entire nation. So we should be holding that guy to the highest standard of behavior. So again, like, you know, I'm, I have no <clears throat> personal relationship with him, but it, it's to like, what, what is the culture that we want to we wanna build up? So, and I think this is interesting that you're saying this because you're talking about time and a lot of the Republicans are saying 
you're talking about something that happened 30 years ago, if it happened at all. And whether, I guess moving forward, whether it's 30 years or whether it's a music producer who had allegations, I don't think they should never work again. Mm -hmm. But how do they re-enter? Like what, I don't, I'm gonna say I don't know a lot, but it's true, I, I don't even know what to recommend. Would somebody, sometimes when people make announcements on social media, it does feel like a PR statement, right? Like when these people just do reconnect, what do you think is the best path? Or how much time is enough? I don't, I don't know what. I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's a clock. Right. Right. I mean, <clears throat> I don't think there's a clock. I don't think there's a clock for forgiveness. I don't think there's a clock for redemption. I think for you know this person in your industry. You know, is he sincerely, and this is important, sincerely feeling sorry, sincerely taking responsibility. You're, you're saying no. And if you know that he's not doing it with sincerity, that's actually where, it's not that you throw him away, but you say, look, when you're ready to, to come to terms, then we'll talk. But not if you're going to stand there in denial. And, you know, you might, he might refute facts and things like that. But these women went through this experience. And again, so honor the confusion, honor the pain, honor the suffering. First, not honor the celebrity, not honor the reputation. You can build reputation back. You know, you have high-paid PR people to do that. But this, you know, lives were ruined. You know, these the souls were crushed. And that, you know, that <laughs> that's that's a lot of work you got to do. To, for people to not not even just to forgive, but to actually bring you back. And you know you were doing an incredibly uh, generous and compassionate thing by saying like I want to have a conversation with you. It's a courage. I dreaded it forever. Go. I felt sick to my stomach. I did not want to deal with it. And the only reason I dealt with it is because it was the lesser of two evils from the other one. <laughs> I mean, I, I keep saying to David, we got to talk about these things because they keep coming up. And, you know, when you have these lessons, it's like, you know, sometimes you feel like you just keep getting the ball thrown to you again and again mm. and again until you deal with it. And so. Oh, but the universe is saying something to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I have a couple general questions for you, but I want to open it up and see if anybody has been in similar situations or questions. Uh, let's go Eddie first. All right, so um, I agree for the most part what you guys are saying, but I think uh, canceling people can actually be good. And the reason why I say that is it's all about, I think the problem now what we do is we rest the judgment without context mm -hmm. or precedent. Yeah. So someone does one thing, but oh, they're canceled. Mm -hmm. And we don't fully, we're in this, day and age where everything's the headline when we rarely read the article or the story. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll use two instances, the Kanye thing. Everyone got up in arms about the recent events of what he was saying mm -hmm. without understanding this hasn't been anything new with him. Like it's been consistent if mm -hmm. you've been paying attention. It's, it's, it's one bullshit thing of him running his mouth without any context on his end mm -hmm. or understanding. 
So the reason why I say sometimes cancer can be good is because you're protecting your own energy. There you go. And a lot of it isn't necessarily like, I'm going to boycott and rage out. I'm going to be like, I've learned this dude's not saying anything important that's bringing anything positive to my life. So he's X'd out of my world. And if you guys want to listen to him, have fun. Mm-hmm. I'm done with him. Um, so with that... <clears throat> I canceled Kanye, but I've already canceled Kanye. Right. Because I'm protecting my own energy. And that is from someone that, on a day-to-day basis, has nothing to do with me personally. Like, nothing. Like, I shouldn't get mad about celebrity. Like, if I see Kim Kardashian on TV and I get mad, that's a me problem. So people go. like that, I've decided I've canceled them because I can't let them have control of yeah, my yeah. own life. Now, with personal, I have a very, very close friend of mine growing up, and he's just a bad person. Like, he's a bad human being that does bad things to people. And he's been a close personal friend for almost 20 years. And then within the last two years, I canceled him. And he still contacts me and he still hits me up. And it's just like, you know what? I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Because yet again, I'm protecting my own energy. So even though I agree with what you guys are saying, yeah. sometimes I people got to go. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we got to go. Sometimes we got to go. And so I, the reason that I, I am chastened by the idea of canceling somebody, again, so I'm, I'm just saying, like, so what are for me? Right? If you turned it around. And, you know, would, what would I do if someone canceled me? And, and thinking, like, how do I get back to you because I care about you so much? I love you so much. And so, you know, like, self-preservation, for sure. I mean, toxic people are toxic people. And, you know, we have to have limits, but those limits can also change. You know, like, our, our capacity to be with somebody that is causing some harm, like, initially you may say, okay, you know what, I need some space. But as we were talking about earlier, we don't always fully know what our capacities are. I genuinely believe that most people have bigger hearts than they let on. I genuinely believe that we have a more expansive humanity in us than we often want to admit to. Right? So, you know, your friend, you're like, you know, I'm done. I'm done. But I'm guessing there's still a spot in your heart for him and the reason I say that is that you use him as an example. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, like, there's like, hey, is he doing good? That's cool. I don't want to talk to him. Glad he's doing good. It's one of those. Right. Like, but, that's, but that's not canceling him, right? Yeah. That's not, that's not making him nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still got some place in your heart. It may not be the same place as 10 years ago, but it's still some place. Yeah. Again, you know, our hearts can be a, uh, a mansion with many rooms. You know, with many rooms. And sometimes we just shut some of the doors of those rooms. But sometimes we open them up again. And again, so like the idea of canceling, it's an extreme. And, you know, words matter a lot. They matter a lot. So what you say to him, you may leave the door open a little bit and say, you know, at some point you can walk back in here, but it has to be on different terms. At some point you can come back in my life and we can be a part of each other's lives. But it's got to be different. It cannot be that way. You cannot hurt me that way anymore. It's too much. You know, and that, that, that toxic quality, it's like, you know, it's like acid on the skin. It's too much. You got to protect yourself, for sure. 
I was saying that these things kept coming up all summer and hit me over the head. And um, I couldn't believe. So um, I know somebody this summer that died. And it was a really strange situation and strange emotion because similar to what you're saying, it was somebody that I knew when I was really young. In fact, when I first moved to LA, they were kind of my first LA friend. Like somebody that I didn't know in Seattle that, you know, it was an L.A. friend that took me to L.A. things and introduced me to L.A. people. And um, even back then, I ended up I had a sense that there was kind of a darkness there and I separated myself a little bit and I was really naive. I didn't know that they were on drugs. Um, but that's what I'm pretty sure it was. And then um, the addiction got really bad. And same thing, like as, as it got worse, I distanced myself, but they hurt people and, you know, did some time. And I still knew who they were. Um, and then they died this year. <laughs> and I had such a weird reaction because anybody I knew that worked in music, I couldn't say like, oh, that's sad. I didn't feel like I could say that because... They had pretty much been a bad person and hurt people. Um, everybody else was like, eh, not surprised, just being honest. But I was sad because at the time that I met them, they were brilliant and they loved music too. And they did a lot of really cool things to me. And it was so bizarre. I had this weird serendipitous universe. I'm going to get real hippy dippy with you guys. Like... Um, all this stuff was going on. I'm not processing the emotions. I'm feeling super heavy. People are hitting me. I'm connecting somebody. Oh, maybe you could tour with this person and listen to this song. And then I go to listen to the song myself. And it's my friends there in this band, Magic Giant. And they have this song. And the chorus is, um, we didn't get it right this time. But let's turn the darkness into light and let it shine. I'll see you on the other side of the great divide. Mm. And it hit me so hard because it's like, okay, you didn't get it right this time. But there was some light to the darkness. And like maybe next time, maybe there's a lesson to mm -hmm. learn. And again, I was just getting hit over the head. And it goes back to that thought that nobody's just one thing right here they did a lot of really bad things but they held a place in my life right and so you know to go what is it to remember to recollect why someone is so important to you the love you had for them in the midst of all that darkness right you know because in when someone is hurting you or, or you know we often can only just see that you know, the pain, the, the suffering. And we don't see the light. We just feel all that coming our way. And it, you know, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. That you say, like, I remember this about him. You know, he did some terrible things. He's a complicated person. We're all complicated people. But to hold him, again, like your friend, to hold that part of him that was a light to you, and in remembrance, because he has no chance to redeem himself anymore. He's gone. Just a brief thing on the word redemption. It means to renew value, the worth of. You know, so what is it to renew the worth of somebody? So, in effect, for your friend who passed, I'm sorry. 
you're you're effectively doing the work of redemption of like finding the worth back in his life. He can't do it anymore, right? For those left behind, we're you're, we're the ones doing that. And again, that's honorable work, but it's hard because you don't just remember the good things; you remember all the other things as well. Carly, did you have one? Just went in to that. You were just saying um, there's a lot of layers that throughout you know your career in any industry that you have to make for yourself. Mm-hmm. Strength, um, courage, for sure. Uh, ability to know when someone deserves your time and allow them to redeem themselves as a friend. Mm-hmm. And I think when Julie was sharing her conversation with this person there was no um, I'd like to know a, a better way of how to handle that because mm-hmm. it happens so often right? where there's different resources of communicating with people now even though if this person knows they did something wrong they have Twitter they have Instagram there's a Facebook there's a friend there's an mm-hmm. event but the the conversation of what went wrong never happens and it's ignored I don't have any more spaces or doors open in my yeah, heart yeah, yeah. in this mansion. Yeah. I just want to get clarity and allow you to redeem yourself for the mistakes mm. you've made so we could keep moving and growing together. Yeah. So getting that answer or a little bit more clarity on that would be awesome. Oof. Uh, you know, I'll go back to, you know what you're saying about... Um, I can't believe I'm saying this. Kim Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> I said make America great again a minute yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Just like, <laughs> like, now we're going to the Kardashians. Okay. But you know, you're, you're saying like, you know, you, you get angry at Kim Kardashian, something she says and does, and you realize that's actually about you. So. T- t- oh, really? Right. So t- uh, what's your name again? Carly. Carly. One of the things I would suggest is to ask yourself like what do you want you know so it's it's like don't engage in these things simply like well this is what they told me in Girl Scouts so this is what I should be doing now but more like what do you want what do you want out of that relationship what do you want out of the culture and I say the culture meaning the culture is shifting and it's also stubborn right so Louis C.K. can come back Cosby thinks he can come back because the culture is so stubborn in its patriarchy and its misogyny and not recognizing that actually things are changing rapidly. It's a revolution. And so what do we want? Like we want people to hold themselves accountable, but also not just accountable saying I did this terrible thing, but hold ourselves accountable to the people we hurt. You know, we are, I hate to say it, an unforgiving culture. We're an unforgiving culture across the board, you know, politically, morally, you know, Tupac, Biggie, whatever. You know, it's like we're an unforgiving culture. And my hope is that we can begin to move the needle a bit to find real forgiveness, not just individually, but in the culture. So you talk about spaces, that's making space for other people. That's making space for more people. So that's what you're saying. Like, I experience this every day. Your experience will be different if the culture was different around forgiveness. 
And I'm not saying that, you know, we forgive these men. But the terms of forgiveness should be different. What we expect of them and what we expect of ourselves. What we hope for them and what we hope for ourselves such that, such that other folks don't have to suffer. Such that there are young girls, young women who do not have to suffer that way. Right? That's the hope. Right? It's not just punishment. But it's, again, a change of heart. A change in how, how we experience each other. And that's, that's amongst the biggest and hardest things that we could ever undertake. So it is a hard, I mean, you know, these are hard questions. Um, as we go into another election coming mm-hmm. up very soon, I want mm-hmm. you to touch on the love and politics mm-hmm. side of what you do and what you teach. But does anybody else have any thoughts or questions about what we've been talking about? Tricky situations. What do we do now? I'm looking at Jeffrey because he's my personal trainer. And every week when I train with him, we mm-hmm. talk about all of this for an hour. <laughs> um, I just... Think about forgiveness and liking people, but mm. then also, like, for me personally, I feel like standing up for myself as a black person, mm-hmm. like gay man. Um, I recently, I like Wendy Williams because I like some of the topics, and then I'm recording her, and then all of a sudden, I hear her slam an African American guy mm-hmm. because he's suspect. I'm like, okay. So right. immediately in my mind, I'm like thinking. <laughs> This is why I asked her out. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this yeah. is why I cast her out because I cannot go with that behavior. I don't want to accept that behavior. Like what Kanye uh, agreed with what you're saying. It's like he's been talking crap for a long time. But That's right. At that point, that was a total end because it's like, look, I'm a person who I think that everybody here is a celebrity. Hmm. And I feel that celebrities don't have any different status than what we have. And even with my family members, I like to be forgiving mm-hmm. but that 82 percent i'm still there you know I, like, <laughs> but then i'm not gonna like patronize them yeah, yeah because you don't owe me an apology but you should make some attempt of like you said of redemption and so i listen to music mm. all the time yeah and imagine liking some songs or mm. one to eat at chick-fil-a but i'm like uh-uh I'm gonna keep <laughs> because I want to make a statement just for me, yeah, yeah, for my own inside, my own morality. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no, absolutely. You know, and the note that you began on is so important. It's like, what kind of respect or what kind of honor do we have for ourselves? Because that's where it's got to start. If you, you know, someone hurts you, you got you got to say like, well, who is the person that they hurt? Now. You know, in some ways, it's not in some ways, in many ways, it's easier to make a judgment about Kanye than it is about your sister. You know, on the, the is it Wendy Williams you said? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, as a person of color, you know, when I hear someone say something racist, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking, like, I don't really want to listen to you anymore. I don't want to really pay respect to you anymore. And, you know, I have to check myself, too. Like, you know, how open-hearted am I? You know, have I, <laughs> I've, shut, I've shut them down. And basically have uh, assessed them as never being possible to be different. 
right? I was assuming that you said something racist to me, you said something homophobic to me, you said something misogynistic to me. You must be that way forever and ever. Right? No. Because also, I gave her a multiple chance. It's almost like when you're listening to Kanye and he says something like, oh, I'm going to let it go this time. Oh. Then again, it's like, oh, that was the last straw. Because but what, I, so the, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. What is the last straw? What's the last straw? The last straw is when I'm like, okay, I can't support your actions. No, no, I get that. But like, oh. what, what happens in you? You know, so for example, I'm thinking, oh, like I, if I'm a sponge, right. like I can't, I can't take that in anymore. Okay. I can't wring myself out anymore. I just feel, it's just at that point, it just makes me think of the stuff that I had gone, I've gone through. Mm-hmm. And I think that it may be, I don't want to associate it like with women. Mm-hmm. If they've been sexually abused, like I think, like I've been sexually abused a lot, but I've never told anybody mm-hmm. like that. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's something that I was like, oh, let me just turn my head because who's going to say something or I don't want to look retarded because somebody's thinking that something happened to me. And literally, I still have open doors in my heart mm-hmm. for them. I still have experiences with them that were great experiences. But I also, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe we were both young. We were yeah. young during yeah. those times. So okay. I'm giving people benefits of the doubt. And then what I think, of course, once again, this is me. When I'm thinking that that person should just know a little bit. And it's just like, okay, I'm just. You know, I get you. Yeah. So again, <clears throat> excuse me. Again, it's different with, say, a celebrity or, let's say, it's a family member, or say it's a close partner. So, can I say, please? Well, can you help me? My son, he's twenty-five years old, mm-hmm. and I don't want to check and say, oh, when, at twenty-five years old, I was doing this, and look at what you're doing. Um, he went to the military. Mm-hmm. They kicked him out of the military because they thought maybe he had mental health problems. Um, so then for the past four or five years, it's been, I'm hoping to hear from him and see him. So now he's finally back at my mother's house. Mm-hmm. And so today we're having the conversation. And when you were talking about like looking at that light and not being angry at that person. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I was talking to him about something simple like a beard yeah and it's me trying to get him to get mental health help without trying to make him think that he's crazy but knowing that some of your actions aren't and for me it's like you know what i'm gonna give you a deadline and if you're not done at this time if you're not gonna go see a doctor at this time right here then i can't help you and this is my family member and, yeah. I don't want, and i'm not gonna do that yeah, yeah but i'm talking to my mother like saying mom you can't just do that to him you yeah, yeah don't give him this you know what i'm saying i'm trying to I don't know. I don't want to cancel it out because I think that there's something else that's going on in their mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like any of the celebrities. Yep. I know it's a little bit more personal, but like personally, I kind of equate it to the same thing because it's like I'm thinking to myself the whole time, like, oh, I don't want to cancel him out because yeah, yeah. they don't know any better. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it reminds me of what Fatima was saying, the sadness and the anger, mm-hmm, right? right? Like being frustrated but also sad. You know, one of the hardest things in life is to accept profound changes in our relationships. You know, so you're talking about your son. You know, you're talking about a parent. 
you know, all of our parents, they may love us, but they've hurt us. Right? I heard that, right? (laughs) And, you know, so behind that hurt and anger we might have with them is also the confusion. Like, you're my parent. You're not supposed to be like that. You know, you're my, you know, or you're my son. You're supposed to be different. And really coming to terms with the reality that the relationship is different. You know, your son's not five, he's 25. Right? Your, parent, your, your mother is 85, not 35. And to begin to like grow into the change so that you know, you're treating your son not as a little boy, but as a grown person that actually has to come to terms with being responsible. A grown person that, whether he likes it or not, he can't rely on you in the same kinds of ways. And then that's a shift in the relationship. It's like you're no longer just the provider father, but getting closer to someone who's more like a friend than a father. And that's a really tricky transition. It's a very, very tricky transition, you know, where you got to be different so that he can be different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And that's, you know, by the way, that comes with a lot of pain too. Because to let pass that old relationship, he's no longer my little boy. You're no longer his daddy, but you're somebody different. So you got to, you know, if you're going to honor your confusion, you got to honor the, the loss of that relationship. You know, again, that's painful. That's sad. That's, you know, we'll have mourning over that. And yet, you also got to live. Did you want to add something to know? Yeah. Answered it. Um, okay, since uh, you are a professor and have, um, I mean, probably topics and things you're focusing on, mm. as we kind of um, close out here, yeah. I'm just curious what um, you enforce with your students. Um, oh. You know, when you're talking about love and politics, mm-hmm. it's such a big subject. I can only imagine how you fill a semester with it. But whether it's politics or social media, mm-hmm. what do you want people to keep thinking about? Uh, I want them to think differently about what motivates them. So if you think about power, politics right now, <clears throat> it's largely oriented around the pursuit of power. You know, like Mitch McConnell on Tuesday gave this ridiculous speech in the well of the Senate in defense of Kavanaugh. They're afraid of losing power. I mean, he he was saying patently absurd things. And, you know, if we're in this moment, which we are, well, people will say or do anything just to stay in power. As opposed to when I say to my students about love-driven politics, well, what would a politics look like if it's not driven by power, but it's driven by the pursuit of compassion, by the pursuit of generosity, the pursuit of forgiveness, and the pursuit of mercy, where mercy means bending our hearts towards suffering? Imagine a politics oriented around those motivations, not about control, but again, like opening us up, connecting with people, and the very profound ways. And that's a radically different politics, right? Imagine our democracy. We say it's about 
compassion, extending my heart to you. If everyone's on the same page to that point, mm -hmm. the idea of politics no longer exists, correct? Or it's a different politics. I would say that's not politics. <clears throat> yeah, well, it's not politics as we've understood it. Right. Right? So, for example, if we convert politics not about winning election, but as how we govern, right. how we structure the world, how we live with each other. Civic duty. Civic duty. But duty to a civil society that, again, it's not about beating down other people, but it's about lifting them up. You know, that's a very different vision of the world. And again, it's, it's going to be a different politics. You know, in some ways it sounds very straightforward, but if you really think about it, you know, policy driven that way, elections driven that way. You know, imagine, you know, we're in an age of active voter suppression for black and brown populations. But a love driven politics would say, like, can I give you a ride to the polls? Right? Can I make it easier for you to vote? You know, that sort of thing. And again, that, that would be a radically different democracy. I heard something, and this is going to be a horrible statement because I don't know exactly what the statistic is, but it feels like in, I read somewhere that in the 1970s, like um, the zip codes were pretty much split almost 50-50 by partisanship, mm -hmm. right? And now in 2018, the zip codes are almost like 90% one thing, right? It's like the bubbles. People have oh, moved. Oh, I see, I see. Has anybody else so, read that? <laughs> Does anybody else know exactly what it is? So there's that diversity of politics within a community. Yeah, right. and there was in the 70s and 80s. Do you think we'll ever get back there? I guess I would dispute even that statistic. Okay. And I, I, you know, I wouldn't be so nostalgic about the 70s having you know, lived through them. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, economic stratification, uh, you know, redlining of communities. You know, it, it's partisan. Let me, put it, let me put it slightly different way. Partisanship is a pretty thin version of what a politics should be. Meaning, am I a Republican or a Democrat? As opposed to, you know, Am I someone who believes that the beloved community might have a hold on the imagination and hearts of our citizens so that I engage in, I don't know, public service? Not as an add-on, but as a central feature of my life. You know, communities can self-organize in all sorts of ways. If it's around partisanship, I don't know. But, you know, a community that comes together because we have a common belief that, again, we are, we're going to bend our hearts towards suffering, not put suffering outside of the, the bounds of our community. You know, uh, cities now, towns now are terribly segregated. You know, it's a different version of Jim Crow. And, um, you know, that is actually one of the biggest struggles, I think. So, again, like, it's to deepen the conversation not just about which party do I endorse, but what do I believe and what, am I, what do the people in my community believe? What kind of values do we have? And are we clear about those values? 
Thanks so much for coming. It means so much to me. Again, uh, every single time I do an episode mm. of the Idea Fountain to have people get together and just have interesting conversations. And I mean, I guess get off our phones and just spend time <laughs> in person. And um, it's been really mm. unbelievable. I mean, I never knew how much it would ripple out. Mm and the impact it would have connecting with countries all over the world and the people I've met um, that have listened or how it has touched people. Yeah. It's, it's been really special. And um, I'm just curious for anybody listening now that wants more of this, right? right? Are there books you recommend? Oh. Um, how can people find you? What should people know? Okay. Um, golly. I mean, there are lots of books I would recommend, you know. Um, when I get that question, I often answer with, you know, James Baldwin's classic, The Fire Next Time. You know, these... I've never read that. What is it? Sorry. Oh, okay. I'm going to run to the bookstore right now for you, Julie. I, I am a college girl <laughs> right now. But <laughs> uh, Baldwin wrote these two essays. The first part of The Fire Next Time is a letter to his nephew. And the second is uh, he's been dispatched to um, uh, meet Elijah Muhammad, the head of the Nation of Islam. But it's, just, it's probably the most profound meditation on not just race in America, but the lived experience of race in America. And, you know, not for nothing, Baldwin's heart for love is at the center of all of it. You know, he has compassion, even for the white folks who are he knows have been oppressing him and his people. He has uh, hope for a nation that could be so much greater than it is. And so, you know, I would absolutely start with fire next time. Um, me, I, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm easy to find as a college professor, and you know, at Connecticut College, um, but also on social media. You know, we have a, a new show in production that we're going to be asking these big questions. Um, and hopefully engaging the kind of quality conversations that you have been. You know, people are hungry for these conversations. People are, are I'm going to say desperate, desperate for not just answers, but ways to think differently about it rather than saying, I don't know what to do. You know, to throw our hands up and say there's nothing to do. And so, you know, my hope is that we're going to make a little space in that to open up people's hearts, open up, open up this, the landscape. So that's, that's, that's what's up next. And why don't you um, tell everybody what your social media is? Oh, uh, sorry. I'm, that's, I'm at David Kuman Kim, K-Y-U-M-A-N-K-I-M, on Twitter and I think on Instagram and all those other places. All right. Thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you. And thank, and thank you so much for your conversation. <laughs>